So what we're doing, we've been going through a series, um, talking about an overview of the Bible, and um, just so we get this good overview and of uh, God's plan of salvation, and um, then as we continue to, you know, teach, um, things will hopefully come together and make sense a little bit more because you've had this had this overview. So that is. Um, that's what we're doing. So I'm going to, if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, I encourage you to go back and um, listen to, uh, listen or watch the um, sermon from the last few weeks, and that'll help kind of catch you up. I am going to do a recap, though, but you can find those on the church website anytime, any sermon, um, coldspringcf.com slash media. And I'm using the curriculum um, as my template for this that I use in my class called What's in the Bible, and that kind of gives me a good guide for pulling this all together. So first we talked about, um, we started with Genesis, how God created the world, he created Adam and Eve, and that um, they chose to go their own way. They sinned and they broke faith with God. And because of this, death entered the world and God launched his rescue plan um, to save us from sin and death and bring us back to himself. So he chose Abraham to be the father of a nation um, and this nation would be set apart for him. In Exodus, God used Moses to deliver um, that people from Israel or the people Israel from slavery in Egypt, and to take them on to the promised land. We talked about Leviticus and Numbers. Um, that is a series of, um, you know, that was like a manual um, of how they were to live a holy life, how they were to worship God, and how the priests were to um, uh, perform sacrifices and, and things for atonement. And um, in Deuteronomy, um, that is where we saw, um, after wandering in the desert for 40 years, there's a new generation of Israelites, and they're on the edge of the promised land. And Moses uh, tells them the law again and reminds them to follow God, and that if they do, they'll be blessed. And if they worship other gods um, and sin and turn away from uh, the one true God, then... Um, then he would not fight for them anymore, and he would let the other nations come in and overrun them, and ultimately they could lose the promised land that was given to them. Um, And then we went through Joshua. Joshua uh, took over after Moses. He led them into the promised land. He, um, they fought the nations that were already in that land, and um, amongst the 12 tribes of Israel, the land was divided among them. In Judges, we found that after Joshua and his leaders had died, that the people stopped. Um, they went through this cycle, the cycle of apostasy, where they would start worshiping other gods. God would not protect them, and other nations would come in. They would turn and cry out to God for help. God would raise up a judge to um, save them from whoever was oppressing them. And um, then they would praise God, and then they would go back to worshiping idols again. And they would just go through that cycle over and over and over. And, um, and they went through that because uh, they weren't following God as their king. 
in Ruth. Um, that's the story of God's redemption and faithfulness. Um, and also, uh, Ruth is the great-grandma of King David, who we will talk about today. So we've, um, so we finished, first we finished the Pentateuch, and um, then now we've been going through the historical books. I thought maybe we'd get it through it all today, but there is just too much information. So we're not going to, and Carol always tells me I don't have to rush through it. So I'm... <laughs> So today we're going to go through um, First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, and then next week we'll we'll finish up the historical books. So the uh, first book that we're going to talk about today is First uh, Samuel. So First Samuel is the ninth book of the Bible. There's 31 chapters uh, in that book, and the book begins by introducing us to Samuel. Samuel is a prophet, and he was um, dedicated and raised in um, the house of the Lord. And um, he is the last of Israel's judges. So his whole life, he was um, he was a judge for Israel, um, besides being a prophet. So we don't have the exact time frame um, that uh, Samuel was born, but his life would um, overlap that of of Samson. So last week we talked about the judges, and we briefly talked about Samson. So Samuel probably overlaps Samson a bit, and then on into the um, life of Saul and David here. So he's right here. So um, as we talked about before, God was Israel's king. He wanted to be their king when they sought him. You know, he would fight their battles um, for them. He would go before them and he would d- deliver them and uh, speak to them. But they kept rejecting him and doing things their own way. So all the leaders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you're old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. But when they said... Give us a king to lead us. This displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them, will claim as his rights. So God um, warns them. Um, it goes on, and God warns them about what um, you know an earthly king will do. Samuel tells them he's going to take your, your servants. He's going to take your kids as their servants. He's going to take your land. He's going to take your money as taxes. This is what will happen um, if you have a king. And uh, the people... Uh, um, so Samuel said, when that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. So they rejected God to have a king like other nations. And uh, remember, God had told them, Moses had told them, Joshua had told them, they weren't to be like other nations. They were set apart. They were holy. So they, um, 
you know, and they weren't supposed to be like other nations. So God chose a man, you know, he gave him what he wanted, and God chose a man named Saul to be king over Israel. He, the Bible says he was a whole head taller than uh, everyone else, and he looked kingly. So uh, Saul usually didn't follow what God said to do. He, um, he would only follow halfway or not at all. And when Saul, uh, when Samuel would confront him about his disobedience, he would justify his actions or make excuses. Um, so, you know, one time God told him, told Saul to go up against a nation and destroy everything there. And um, Saul didn't do that. Um, he kind of justified why he didn't do that saying, well, but I took the best parts of that, and I'm sacrificing that to you. And God's saying, that's not what I want. I wanted your obedience. I wanted your heart. And um, so that type of thing happened over and over again. And so since uh, he disobeyed God, um, God told Saul that the crown would leave his family, and a new king would be crowned. So um, Saul would not have, you know, his sons wouldn't be king, the dynasty wouldn't go through him, that it would be given to someone new from a new family. So God had Samuel, the prophet, anoint David as king. David was a young man. He was a shepherd, and he was the youngest of his family. And um, and so Samuel anointed him, and the Spirit of the Lord came on David. And at that time, the Spirit of the Lord left Saul. And so from then on, Saul is... He's pretty tormented inside. and um, But the Lord was with David, and so David trusted God, and everything that he did, everything that um, he put his hand to, the Lord blessed it. And, um, and then, uh, but, you know, David didn't take the crown right away. It wasn't like when he was anointed that God made him um, king right away. Saul was still the king. And um, so then... Um, I'm sorry, I had skipped that part. Um, Well, I'll go back and read that. So when the people had said that they had wanted a king, um, when Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your town. So he had given them the king. So so you might know the story of David and Goliath. Um, David had come to the battlefield to see his brothers and bring them some supplies. And this um, giant Goliath, who was um, uh, about nine feet tall, uh, was there with the Philistines. He was a warrior for the Philistines. And um, he was dishonoring God, and he wanted a man to come out and fight him. And David said, you know, who is this? Um, uncircumcised Philistine that he comes up and says these things against the Lord. And so David goes out to fight him with a sling and a stone, and he defeats Goliath that day um, when the stone hits Goliath in the head and he falls and David kills him. Um, And so from then on, David, um, he fights for Saul and the Lord is with him, and he wins many battles against the Philistines and other nations that come up against Israel. Um, and uh, the people love David. They sang his praises, and they praised him and said that he was better than Saul. 
So Saul, uh, he was very jealous of David, and he tried to kill David. For many years, he tried to kill him um, and would uh, fight after him. And David was on the run. Uh, People would gather, men would gather to David, uh, and they fought with David. They became his mighty men, and they fought with him. And, um, but they were on the run from Saul and, uh, David had some opportunities where he could have harmed Saul, where he could have killed him. Um, but he didn't because Saul was, uh, had been anointed by God to be King and David wouldn't touch, um, him because he had been anointed by God, even if, you know, David was the next one to be King. So he waited until God removed him. So at the end of first Samuel, Um, Three of Saul's sons uh, were killed in battle, and Saul was wounded. And not wanting to be captured by the enemy, he fell on his sword and died. And that's the end of 1 Samuel. So there's many, many stories in there. And like always, I encourage you to go and dig into the word. And um, it's it's an easy read in in 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, because it's the historical books. It's read like history. And um, so it's it's interesting, a lot of stories um, in there. So uh, next, we're going to go to the book of 2 Samuel, which is the 10th book of the Bible. And there's 24 chapters in 2 Samuel. So um, the book starts with um, Saul is dead, and David uh, was already anointed to be the next king many years ago. And, uh, but... At um, first, only Judah recognized David as king. And um, so Judah is the is right down here. That's this um, big southern tribe. And, um, and they're the only ones that recognize David as king to start with. So David was king there. But Saul had a son that was still alive whose name was Ishbosheth. And um, then all the northern tribes, the rest of them followed Ishbosheth at first. I have to say that slowly because it is a mouthful. Um, it wasn't too long before Ishbosheth was killed, and then the rest of the tribes um, followed David as king. So they agreed that he should be king, and so all of Israel followed him. God called David a man after his own heart, and God helped David to do great things. David defeated the Philistines, and he finally captured Jerusalem and uh, made it their capital. And uh, David built his palace there, and the people came to Jerusalem to worship God. So that's where the tabernacle was, and God's presence dwelt there. In in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God makes a covenant with David, and it's called the Davidic Covenant. Uh, Through the prophet Nathan, God makes a promise to David. Um, He says, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So this is part of God's rescue plan for the whole world. And uh, David's throne that will be established forever, that's Jesus. Because Jesus is, you know, in the line of David and he reigns forever. So halfway through the book of 2 Samuel, we begin to see David uh, make some bad choices. He 
killed a man so that he could have his wife, and her name was Bathsheba. The prophet Nathan came to David and told him that God knew what he had done. And uh, he told him, Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. And um, and when this was told to David, um, David repented. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. So when Saul sinned against the Lord, he just made excuses. Um, but when David sinned, he repented, um, which was why he was called a man after God's heart. So a repent, if you're not familiar with that word, it means to turn from your sin and turn towards God. And that's what David did. He turned from his sin and he turned towards God. Um, David loved God and he wanted to please him. He wanted to turn and do what was right. So God forgave David, but like we talked about um, in the previous weeks, sin has consequences. And after David's child dies, one of his older sons, Absalom, tries to take over the kingdom and kill David. Um, ultimately, Absalom is, is killed. Um, but there was a lot of messiness at the end of David's life because of some of the sinful choices that he'd made and loose ends he didn't take care of. And so um, that is the end of Second Samuel. And I'm going to take a quick drink of water. Again, there's so much more in there. I encourage you to go and read more for yourself. So... Next um, are the books of First and Second Kings, and I'm actually going to talk about them together instead of breaking them apart. Um, so these are the 11th and 12th books of the Bible. And at the beginning of the first book, um, David is about to die, and he makes his son Solomon king. So Solomon was another son of David and Bathsheba. Uh, so in the beginning, Solomon does well. And he follows the Lord. Uh, in chapter 3, God appears to Solomon in a dream and told Solomon to ask him for anything and it would be given to him. So uh, Solomon said, So give your servant, your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So... Um, then the Lord, uh, because Solomon had asked for wisdom and a discerning heart, God gave him, said, because you asked for that, I will give you what you haven't asked for. I will give you, um, riches and, and wealth and, um, you know, raise up the name of Israel. Um, and Solomon's wisdom did make Israel famous and wealthy. People came from all over the world. Um, to Solomon, and Solomon built a beautiful temple for God's presence in Jerusalem. It took him seven years 
to build the temple. Um, The word of the Lord came to Solomon. As for this temple you are building, if you follow my decrees, observe my laws, and keep all my commands and obey them, I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David your father. And I will live among the Israelites and will not abandon my people Israel. Um, so Solomon had great wealth. Oh, I'm going to, sorry. There, so there's a picture of what the temple, um, might've looked like. Um, Solomon had great wealth and he was gathering more to himself than what he needed. Um, so this is where things kind of start to turn for Solomon. He, uh, had many palaces. He had a lot of gold and silver um, horses, wives, and back in Deuteronomy, um, Moses had talked to the people before he died about some rules for a king. Oops. He said, when you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it. And you say, let us set a king over us like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king. The Lord, your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Everything that you see right here, Solomon did. He went and bought more horses from Egypt. He, um, uh, he took many, many, many wives. Um, he had, uh, I believe it was, uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. And, um, and his heart was led astray, just as it says here. And he definitely accumulated large amounts of gold and silver. Um, silver, was very, very common. I forget what the verse said, but it was like as common as stones in in there. Um, so they had great amounts of gold and silver. So um, uh, Solomon was, he was breaking all of those rules. Uh, he had, oh, here it was. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. So he also built temples for the gods of his wives. And um, remember, sin has consequences, and the Lord became angry with Solomon. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant, And my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen." So Solomon didn't repent. You know, he could have repented like David. He didn't repent like his father David did when he sinned. And, um, and so 
you know, God told him the kingdom was going to be divided because of his sin. So the subordinate that talked about in here, uh, or servant, that God would uh, give the kingdom to, his name was Jeroboam. And a prophet told Jeroboam that God was going to give him ten tribes to rule over after Solomon's death, and that if he followed God as David did, he um, that God would be with Jeroboam. Um, so after Solomon died, his son Rehoboam became king. Try not to get too confused. There's Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And um, the people of Israel came to Rehoboam and said, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. So Rehoboam went to the elders and said, This is what the people said. What should I do? And they said, um, you should listen to them and make their uh, burden lighter, and they will follow you always. Uh, but Rehoboam went and asked his friends what he should do, and they said, you should bring it down even heavier on them than your father did. Show them who's boss. And so Rehoboam listened to his friends, and because he did, the people rebelled against him. And they made Jeroboam king. Uh, just as the Lord had said. So Jeroboam became the king of the ten northern tribes, and Solomon's son Rehoboam remained the king of Judah and Benjamin in the south. Benjamin was a small tribe next to Judah, and um, they stayed with Judah. So in order to preserve God's covenant with David, um, uh, he kept uh, David's lineage in Judah. So you can see how it was split. So Judah was a pretty big tribe in itself, um, but uh, so down here, um, God kept his promise to David, and his descendants uh, stayed uh, in ruled Judah. But then up here in Israel um, is where Rehoboam was king, and so now they were two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was now called Israel, and the southern kingdom was now called Judah. Um. So remember how God had told Jeroboam in the northern kingdom that if he followed him, he would be with him like David? Well, Jeroboam forgot that, I guess. Because as soon as he became king of that northern kingdom, he set up two golden calves for people to worship and said, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt, which is very much like what Aaron had said um, back in in Exodus, um, when Moses was up the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. And um, Jeroboam didn't want the people to go back down to Jerusalem to worship God, where his presence was. Because he thought, if they go back down there, they may follow Rehoboam again, and I would lose this kingdom. So he set up these um, golden calves, these idols, for them to worship. And Israel walked away from God and um, began worshiping the golden calves and other Um, gods from other nations. And after this, Israel has a series of evil kings um, that all turn their heart from God. Um, And uh, yeah, it does not go well in Israel up above. So um, in the book of First and Second Kings, there's two main prophets um, that you'll read about, Elijah and Elisha. 
Um, I won't be dwelling on them a lot today, but you can read a lot about them in there. God used them in amazing ways and in um, critical ways. Um, in fact, Elisha was often used like a king because uh, Israel was not following a godly king and they weren't listening. And so Elisha was the man of God when he um, followed Elijah. Um, so um, amongst the many evil um, kings and queens in the northern kingdom, you may have heard of Ahab and Jezebel. Um, Jezebel killed many of God's prophets. And um, so uh, you may know the story of how Elijah um, challenged her and her prophets of the god Baal. And um, he had two, they had two altars made and sacrifices put down on the altar. And Elijah said um, to the prophets of Baal, um, you know, call to your God and have him call down fire. And whoever's God um, brings fire down on their sacrifice, you know, they're the, the real and true God. And so the prophets of Baal tried to, to get their God to uh, bring fire down on their sacrifice. And um, it didn't happen because he's um, not the true God. And um, and then when it came to Elijah's turn, he soaked his sacrifice in water and um, God brought fire down and the sacrifice and the stones and all the water and everything was burned up. And the people's heart that day was turned to God, at least for a moment. And um, they killed the prophets of Baal and, um, and God showed his power again that day um, through the prophets. So first and second Kings is a lot like the book of Judges, um, where, you know, the people are, it's that cycle of apostasy where it's going over and over and over again. Um, and except instead of judges, it talks about him raising up prophets. So, um, meanwhile in Judah, the Southern kingdom, things were only a little bit better. Um, for every good king, there were several evil kings that followed. So they would be in that cycle. And then um, a good king would come who would turn the heart of the people back to God. He would reign for several years and they would worship God. But then when they died and a new king came, um, they would turn away again. Um, But God's covenant with David was still surviving in Judah. And a descendant of David was still on the throne. And so God was continuing his rescue plan. The um, Both the kingdoms were warned over and over again to turn from their idols and their evil ways or their enemies would carry them away. And um, so um, in the northern kingdom, the Israelites persisted in all the sins of Jeroboam and did not turn away from them until the Lord removed them from his presence as he had warned through all his servants, the prophets. So the people of Israel were taken away from their homeland into exile in Assyria, and they are still there. So um, in 722 BC, Assyria uh, came and they carried Israel into exile, and the northern kingdom no longer existed. Uh, God gave Judah a bit more time, but he had to follow through with the consequences for their sin. And in about 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, captured Jerusalem, and um, he... He destroyed their beautiful temple 
and um, burned the temple and the palaces and um, much of the the city of Jerusalem, and he tore down the walls in Jerusalem, and he took most of Judah into captivity in Babylon. So the people were feeling hopeless. Um, God's dwelling place was destroyed, and there wasn't a descendant of David on the throne. And uh, they thought that this might be the end of God's rescue plan, and that the covenant made to Abraham and uh, David was ended. But in the middle of all of that, God used the prophet Isaiah to warn Israel and Judah about the terrible things that were going to happen. And God told him about the Messiah, the Savior, the anointed one from the line of David, a king that would rule forever. And so um, I'll read this. So the book of Isaiah, which we'll get to when we talk about the prophets, um, you know, the, that overlaps here in uh, the books of Kings. And so um, Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And so, um, which means God with us. And that's Jesus. So in the midst of their hopelessness, God reminded them of the good news and the blessing for the world. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And that is the end of Second Kings. So um, we are halfway through the historical books. And um, so just in wrapping that up, I just want to remind you of the good news. Just like God was telling them there at the end, um, you know, through Isaiah, of uh, the good news that uh, when the Israelites went into, and Judah went into exile, that not all was lost that um, God gives, just as he gave them hope amidst their um, their failures and downcast hearts, that um, God gives us hope, and our hope is Jesus. So um, just as uh, David repented of his sins, um, you know, God is calling us to do that as well. That instead of being like um, Saul and Solomon, where they made excuses or um, felt that they were the blessed and anointed and didn't need to repent, that he's asking us to be people after his own heart and to repent of our sins like David did. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're teaching us. We thank you for the example that the Israelites were to us. We thank you that we can learn from their life. And Lord, we are so much more like them than what we think we are. 
And often we want to do things our own way. That our nature was like was like theirs, is like theirs. But our nature is changed when we are in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you saved us. We thank you that you've come. We humble ourselves before you like children. We repent and we turn away from our sins, from our things that we choose to do that aren't of you, when we choose to go our own way. And we follow you. We fix our eyes on you, Lord. Because you are Lord. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for dying for us, for saving us from our sin, for raising from the dead to give us life and life abundantly. You are Lord of our life. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.